having a student like ask a question and then you going to them and meeting them where they're at and answering that question in a way that they like can relate to it or understand it and then their face just like lights up and it's like oh okay that makes so much sense i get it and then like from that point on word it's like something they actually find interesting instead of something they like shut away You might think that science is boring, hard to understand, or maybe you believe scientists are hiding the truth from you about aliens or chemtrails. Well, we're here to prove that wrong. Whether you love science or you think it sucks, this is the show for you. Welcome to the second episode of Science Sucks. We have a fantastic show for you today. This week, I had a chance to catch up with my friend Rob, who is, get this, a bio, geo, wait for it, chemist. Yes, he is all three of those things. We talk about why nature is so much more amazing when you know more about it, how we were lied to in high school chemistry, and why Rob is a particularly great human to take down to your local beach or coral reef. We don't have those in Toronto, though, or anywhere in the world if climate change continues. Uh, My digress. Let's get to today's news. So the topic I wanted to bring to light today is a difficult one to talk about, and it's the recent news of James Watson being stripped of his honorary titles as a scientist after repeatedly making racist comments. You may know James Watson from the famous duo Watson and Crick, who won the Nobel Prize for their discovery of the double helix structure of DNA, which is the basis of our genetic code. Except they didn't discover it. It was actually Rosalind Franklin, the x-ray crystallographer who took the crystallography image, interpreted it, and gave lectures describing the structure she believed it represented. James Watson was given access to her data without her knowledge, I repeat, without her knowledge, and use that to, I'm air quoting here, discover the structure of DNA. This is one of the most important discoveries in the field of genetics, which illustrates the bigger picture that women have not been given credit in science where credit is due. Which brings us to today's story. Determining which specific titles James Watson should or shouldn't be stripped of is something I am no expert in but I would like to share the importance of understanding the historical way that science has for centuries perpetuated racism. I will include a ton of links in the show notes that you can dive into for a solid foundation of what I'm talking about, including an amazing episode of Danielle Bainbridge's show, Origin of Everything, about how race as a category in the United States was essentially fabricated to justify the institution of slavery during the colonial period. As scientists, I think it's incredibly important that we acknowledge the damage our institution has done. And as for James Watson, if you are making unsubstantiated, damaging pseudoscientific claims and you can't acknowledge your own biases, I don't think that makes for a very good scientist. 
I will leave some helpful links in the show notes, like I said, and I hope that together we can get informed and work together to make science a more inclusive institution for everybody. Now let's get into the interview. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our interview. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, and I will let him introduce himself. So, can you introduce yourself to the fans? Of course. Hi, everyone. My name is Robert Ulrich. I'm a second-year PhD student at UCLA, and I study biogeochemistry. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I remember when we first met, I was like, what is biogeochemistry? Those are a lot of words in one. That's true. Yeah, so tell us about what it is. What do you do? Well, I guess, like, the easiest way that I try to describe it is just, it's, like, the science of nature. Um, Because, like, it's just, it's at the interface of biology, chemistry, and, uh, like, earth science. So it's pretty much just, like, how the world around you works and it's just like it's super broad and super general but yeah super cool (laughs) that's so exciting what do you specifically look at in the study of nature so i specifically look at how different marine organisms make their shells and the rest of my lab sort of uses like that applies to what the rest of my lab does because um uh the other half of my lab is like a climate science lab so they go out do field work in like a particular region and then find samples and then analyze those samples for um, isotope signatures, so oxygen, carbon, and then carbon and quanta isotopes. And then um, we do like the black box of calculations and uh, um, they they correlate to like precipitation and um, like past temperatures of those regions. So you study how marine organisms make their shells. Do you study in a specific region of marine organisms or any specific aspect of it? Um, so... No. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, my my first project for my PhD is sort of like a survey of... I think they're... It's gonna end up being, I think... 10 different marine organisms so that would cover like uh, mollusks like clams and oysters and mussels um also some like crustaceans so lobsters and shrimp and crab um like echinoderms which would be like pencil urchins or sea urchins um and then also some algae and coral um so that first project is looking at all those different organisms and just trying to see if there's like a a common theme, I guess, in how they are recording these isotope signatures. Um, and then the second project that I'm trying to set up is going to be working with a particular uh, mineral phase. So just like a certain... Um, looking more closely at one of the ways that these animals are making their shells if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. Are they, Are you studying, like, I know that shells and, like, marine organisms are something that's, like, found in the fossil record for many, many years past. So are you, do you use, like, um, fossils or, like, what do you use to, like, study these? So what I use are 
animals that have been uh, cultured. So these are like modern animals. They were pretty much grown in a lab in like controlled settings. So for the first project, we used um, uh, this guy named Dr. Justin Rees at Northeastern University cultured like 18 different marine organisms uh, just in like giant tanks so (laughs) just like a giant um, aquarium yeah exactly exactly um yeah and then the other half of my lab that like does all the climate science they they use fossils that they find out in the field cool that's really cool there's so many just different aspects of it probably even within your lab there's lots of different things being studied let alone in like the whole field (laughs) exactly yeah What is what does the day a day in your life look like as a researcher? What's kind of what do you do on an average day in the lab? Um, so my average day in the lab is probably it's not like super exciting right now with this like first project because with this first project, since like the samples already exist, it's um, my day in the lab is just um, wait like wait for my turn during the week that I get to run our uh, mass spectrometers. And then just go in in the morning, set up the run, and then just, like, have it run for the rest of the day, I guess. Um, So, and then the rest of my time is usually spent, like, reading or, like, um, doing SciComm or, like, managing uh, queries in STEM. Um, But with this second project, I should be in the lab more often, like, running, um, running, like, like, actual experiments for... Uh, like sit, making these uh, the mineral that I want to study. So a little bit of work in the lab, kind of dabbling in different different tasks depending on the day. Yeah, it's like depending on the project. I mean, they're going to be mostly reading at my desk or in the lab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but that second project hasn't started yet, so we'll have to see how that changes everything. Yeah, that's very exciting. I know you're a fan. You mentioned that you do SciComp or science communication. So what is something that draws you to science communication? Why do you why do you do that in addition to your PhD? Um, well, I think that personally, I think that um, one of the most exciting parts about science is just being able to like share it and get other people interested in it so that you can like talk to your friends or family or like um like a stranger uh and just get them really excited about something that they had no idea that even like that it was even like a thing to know about or study yeah um yeah (laughs) like um i guess an example would just be i guess an experience with like teaching that i had where um or not the specific experience but like the general experience of like having a student like ask a question and then you going to them and meeting them where they're at and answering that question in a way that they like can relate to it or understand it. And then their face just like lights up and it's like, Oh, okay. That makes so much sense. I get it. And then like, at, from that point on word, it's like something they actually find interesting yeah. instead of something they like sh- shun away. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people shy away from let's say science or maybe like a chemistry is a tough one for a lot of people where they take it in high school and they're like, never again. But then if you explain what you do, people are like, whoa, that is actually pretty cool. Yeah, you have to like draw, you, it's like your job as a scientist to draw the connections for them for like why they should care about it or like what you're doing or what they're learning. 
so true. Yeah, because they wouldn't know where how it connects to their everyday life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How, what are some ways, like, if someone's not a researcher, if they're not a scientist in your field, how can people get, like, interested in it, or where does it apply in everyday life? Like, let's say you, like, would you be able to see these marine organisms, or would you be able to, like, um, like, how can you get more curious about it? I guess for my case, it's kind of like, I don't know, you, like, I just walk through an aquarium and be like, how's that animal doing that? Like, <laughs> where, is, where is that shell coming from? Do corals just, like, appear? Or, like, <laughs> is some creature making that massive thing? Because some coral reefs are, like, larger than houses. Yeah. Wow. Do, so, you, do you go to aquariums or, like, to the beach and, like, know, like, identify things or know more than the average person? I would assume so, yeah. I would, I, I would hope so if I, like, studied it and take classes on it that I would know more than the average person. That's cool. No, I mean, like, I don't know if the specific things you're finding by the beach relate to what you're doing, but that's, that's pretty cool if you're, like, naming species or naming kind of types of shells. Oh, yeah. I mean, probably not, like, directly related, but, like, similar, of course. And I've definitely, and, like, I've taken a paleontology class in undergrad, so I should be able to at least have, like, have a good educated guess. Yes, that's really cool. I have a friend who studies uh, ecology and he like walks around and like names tree species and birds and it's like exciting to have someone like that in your life where you can just learn more. Yeah, try going on like a hike with a geologist. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like here's the kind of rocks. Everyone bend down and look at it. Yeah. I wonder how long the hike would take if you had, like, a geologist and then also, like, a dendrologist and then an entomologist as well as, like, a plant ecologist. Oh, my goodness. That's what we should organize. We should organize a, a, scientist, a scientist hike. Exactly. Just learn about every single thing. Yeah, I feel like it's there. at that point it's just a nature tour. <laughs> like a, yeah. na- a walk through nature with a, with a guide. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, like, all this stuff is there. It's just, it's really helpful to just have someone there to, I guess, tell you why, like, why you should appreciate something. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I think the world is a lot cooler when we know more about it. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) It reveals. Because I guess, like, if um, it's not something you study, it's not really, you don't really know what you would Google. You know, in order to find out more about, like, a particular thing, you're just kind of, like, typing in some random words that you can think of and hoping that something, like, that you're thinking about, like, actually pops up. Yeah, that's so true. You wouldn't even know where to start. Like, let's say you don't know any kind of organisms with shells. Like, what would you even Google? (laughs) Since you're studying um, how marine organisms build their shells, like, what do we know in science about how they make their shells and what don't we know? very good idea of how it happens but it's kind of just like a really educated guess and we don't actually know for sure like and then like it's also hard to know because every organism does it um differently like for um and i guess we don't we don't really know the complete story we only know the parts that we do know like for um things like clams and oysters and mussels 
they use um, organic templates is like what they're called. So it's pretty much just like, I guess essentially it's like a sheet that has these like organic compounds like sticking up in a particular orientation. And so that when the shell starts forming, it's like the crystals that are formed are forming in a particular direction. Um, so it's like, that's one part we know, but we, we don't know like what else is really happening. Um, and then for, uh, things like the lobster, they have these structures called gastroists, which are just like, essentially, I guess, just like spheres of, um, calcium carbonate that, uh, form when, uh, that form when the lobster is about to molt, but then dissolve away when it's like creating its new shell. So it's kind of just like relating through like an educated guess that those two things are like related, I guess. Whoa. So they don't know for sure, but we have guesses based on the bits and pieces that we do know. (laughs) Yeah. Based on like the things that we are actually like that we're able to observe. Um, yeah, there are like these pretty good guesses. Wow. Oh, and then things like sea urchins, though. Sea urchin larvae are, like, the, uh, the like, ideal model for uh, this, this kind of work, mostly just because, like, sea urchin larvae are, I think they're transparent, so it's, like, easy to use um, dyes in order to sort of see what's going on in there. That's so cool. They're see-through. Yeah. I think that, like, in... You don't realize that something as simple as, like, having something not being see-through, like, would change it so much. <laughs> because you yeah, can't see through it. Yeah, because it's, like, these, this, like, process is happening inside of a live organism, so it's, like, you can't observe it if it's dead. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, what um, would you, yeah, you can't have, like, a, if you just have a dead organism, it just has a shell, but you can't exactly. see how it's made. <laughs> So it's just, like, trying to figure out how to, uh, like, figure out what to measure in order to draw conclusions of, like, how it came to be, I guess. Wow! (laughs) That's really cool! Yeah, so it's, like, I'm measuring these isotope signatures, or these isotope signals of, like, carbon and oxygen, and then um, sort of trying to draw conclusions based on what those values should be based on. Uh, like the type of mineral that the shell is made out of or like and like the w- conditions of the water and seeing if like the deviations from what those values should be if it were just like a crystal forming out of a solution and like a test tube that like if that deviation corresponds to some process that's being used by the organism that's so interesting whoa <laughs> i'm wondering why why study the shells in particular? Like, what is there less known about the shells rather than, like, I don't know, the rest of the organism or, like, other aspects? Um, I think, I mean, it's probably both. It's probably all important. But yeah. the shell is kind of just, it's hard to know how the animal's doing that. Like, how, like, what is the organism doing in order to have this high level of control over what's, like, being formed out of the seawater, I guess. And then it's just, like, that's important because the implications extend from, uh, like, material science. So just, like, being able to make these sorts of 
structures um, in order for like use in our daily lives. Uh, and then also like medical applications because um, it's not just like shells with these marine organisms, but biomineral like our bones are also biomineral. So like it has use in medicine um, as well as uh, other stuff. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just gonna ask if like you can use if we can like synthetically like copy these shells or like under use that knowledge to understand other things, and that's kind of what you said with like bones. Obviously, other other animals, including humans, have similar processes. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. We don't have shells, but we have we have similar mineral processes. <laughs> yeah. I guess I have. One more question. So what what makes you excited about your field and like keeps you going through the challenging parts of it? Because <laughs> maybe some people will um, learn a little bit about your field and be like, that's so hard, that's so tough and challenging. What kind of things motivate you or like are, are worth the challenging um, science that you're doing? I think just like sort of trying to appease my own curiosity because <laughs> yeah. um, I know especially like when I'm sort of like I tunnel vision onto just the lab work and it gets like very monotonous and tedious and like you sort of forget what why you're doing what you're doing and then I always like think that going out and reading like a paper that's just been published on like similar stuff or just like uh going like outside and maybe just sort of like thinking about the broader implications of like what I'm working on sort of just to like realign everything and like refocus on like oh this is like this is why it's interesting this is why it's fast like fascinating to me this is why it's cool and important and I think that is like that makes it sort of worth it (laughs) that's so cool you're like a scientist at heart the curiosity yeah I I love it. You're just like, I'm curious. I gotta know. I gotta know how these organisms make their shells. I know. I was like that annoying kid that always asks why. (laughs) But why? But why? (laughs) Well, why does that happen? Yeah, but why? And that's your your job now. (laughs) That's now your full-time job. (laughs) I know. But now it's like, now it sucks because now it's like, you have all these questions, but you can only answer a few of them at a time. <laughs> and you might not answer it, like, in the next little while, and, like, the field as a whole might take a while to get to, like, understand it. Oh, my God, yeah. I'm learning that academia moves so slowly. Well, not just academia, but, like, science in general moves yeah. so slowly. Yeah. As I always thought, like, when you had your textbook as a kid like you're when you learn in grade like in elementary school and high school about science you're just like here is the digestive system here is the nervous system here is the respiratory system but like all of these systems there's still so much we don't know and they don't you don't yeah there's still so much we don't know about the about you know animals and species and humans yeah or like what the textbook says is just plain like wrong and they like just gave you that answer because it's the easiest way to explain it to kids. Oh my like, goodness, ignorance yes. is bliss. <laughs> I felt so lied to in chemistry when they were like, actually, it doesn't look like this, you know, circle, like the the yeah. nucleus with the electrons in a horizontal <laughs> circle. circus. circle yeah. 
And then you you keep on like getting to higher levels where you keep on re like especially in chemistry every step is like unlearning the previous things, um, especially with like first of all they're not all in a horizontal line. Second of all they're not even like in orbits exactly in that way. <laughs> yeah, it's not a circle. It's a cloud. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but there's yeah it. The unlearning is essential to the process because you have to start with the basics. Yeah, that makes sense. You gotta get the concepts down before you can really get into it. Yeah, yeah. I hope we tackled everything that we wanted to talk about. I hope my answers were useful and helpful. Yes, so much. I love chatting about things that people are passionate about. Thank you, Rob, for talking um, with me about the things you study and the things that make you curious. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Um, and that's it. I think we're done. That was my interview with Rob. I hope you enjoyed his company as much as I did. I have included his social media links in the show notes so you can follow him, like him, across a variety of platforms. In the interview, he also briefly mentioned the organization Queers in STEM, and I love it so much that I wanted to tell you a little bit more about it. So Rob hosts this awesome group at UCLA that runs events for queer scientists. Being LGBTQIA2S+, can be isolating in academia if you're the only queer person in your lab or department. So the impact of running queer-focused events cannot be understated. Over the past year, they've hosted game nights, networking events, telescope shows, hikes. I love the work that Rob and his team are doing, and I wish I had something like this at my university. So go check it out. That's it for today's episode. I am recording on Sunday night, so I'm going to go check out the lunar eclipse tonight. It's expected to get to minus 40 degrees Celsius in Toronto tonight, so maybe I'll just snag a little peek and then go back inside for my own personal safety. To all of you listening, thank you for the bottom of my heart. Have an amazing week and I'll see you next Monday.